I was kind of worried you might be asleep or whatever, so I wanted to challenge you with something, but I can tell you're not. So um, I want to put something up on the board here, gentlemen, <coughs> that um, I'm going to ask you to look at <laughs> and study for like three or four seconds, and then I'm going to ask you, what do you see? So, how many of you see an old woman? How many of you see a young woman? How many of you saw both of them? Uh, they're really smart people. Okay. So, uh, what this was intended to do is to say that we look at life through different lenses and different perspectives. And today, as we get into the, the message today, the having uh, the right perspective is going to be critical. And partly what we want to do is we want to move into the perspectives that Jesus has versus our own perspectives or versus the world's perspective. And with that in mind, I'm going to read, read a scripture that... Well, you know, when I wanted to stop for a second, because I was going to ask Paul to lock the door just for a second, because don't get worried, but the, the topic is money, and usually people uh, want to try to escape when we talk about money, so he's not going to really lock the door. Um, <clears throat> but it is a, a sensitive topic. It's a personal topic. It can be an emotional topic, and I can tell you, as I went through it, I had uh, different emotions that went up and down for me as I went through this. And so, um, with that, I want to ground us in just a couple of things. And if you'll turn with me to 2 Corinthians 5.17. This is kind of a foundational thing that, that I believe is extremely important as we go through this discussion together, as we go through this teaching of Jesus together. 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, but behold, all things have become new. And uh, I don't know how many of you were here um, when we did the baptisms, but as the people that got baptized got up and, and they were um, arising and walking away, Derek said, Go walk in the newness of life. And that just impacted me because it just reminds us that we are a new creation. We're supposed to walk into life now with a new perspective. And that new perspective is what Jesus is going to talk about today. That's one of them. Because what happens when you're a new creation, we have the Holy Spirit in us. And we enter into it with our old values, our old desires, our old plans. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, as we walk with him, our desires are changed, our perspectives are, are changed, and our understanding of who we are in Christ begins to be changed. And actually, we become more Christ-like. So keep that as kind of a placeholder as we go into this study of what, of what Jesus is teaching, because... Knowing who we are and what Jesus is calling us to do are really important. So as we move into the discussion of money 
slash treasures, and also for the fact that we want to be good stewards of that. So we're going to go into the teach some of the teachings of Jesus. But a couple of, a couple of other comments that I think are relevant. One, I don't know how many of you know, but Jesus taught more on money than he did prayer or faith. So obviously money is an important topic for God. And I think it's because, my belief is, is because the power of money in our lives will lead us to use that money for the kingdom of God, or the power of money will pull us into the world where money actually begins to rule over us, and then we actually begin to serve things like pride, prestige, power, and not God. So my comment here is let's don't be casual about money. It's a very big deal, and it has power, and it can influence our life. And to emphasize that one one more verse before we get into Jesus' teaching on the money. Timothy 6, 17, uh, 6, 10. Timothy, chapter 6, verse 10. It's 1 Timothy. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It says a couple more things, but I just wanted to stop with that. You, that reinforces the power of money because it says money is the root of all evil. It does not say that. I just want to make sure we're understanding. I want to really emphasize. It's the love of money that is the root of all evil. And one of the particular areas that Jesus is going to teach on is about our loving, who, what we love, and how important that is to understanding from Jesus' perspective how to manage money. So with that, let's go into the verses we're going to go over today. So we're going to go into Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to start in verse 19, and we're going to go to 33. But we're going to do it in a couple of sections. We're first going to go over 19 through 21. We're going to skip down to verse 24. Then we're going to go through 25 through 23. And the reason we're doing that is that each one has a different lesson, and each of those lessons build on each other. Now, just uh, another contextual point is Matthew chapter 6 um, is in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. And this is where Jesus was doing dramatic teaching uh, to his disciples about living in the kingdom of God. And his teaching was a little radical, and it was really advanced and advancing their understanding of what it means to live in the kingdom of God. So when we get to chapter 6 is where he's talking about money, and some of these teachings are radical not only for them. <clears throat> I may have to borrow whole water. I, got, I, got, I don't have the same thing that, that, uh, that Paul does, but, but, mm -hmm. but, uh, but what happens is that um, when, you, when you really look at what, what we're being taught here, um, let's go to verse 19 first and 20. 
So Jesus is teaching about managing money from an eternal perspective. That's the overall topic here. And then when you look at verse 19, he says, don't do this. You look at verse 20, he says, do this. So you might think, we're done with that teaching. Do the, don't do the first one and do the second one. However, what you find is that verse 19 and 20 are actually choices. And they're choices about how to live your life. So let's go into those for a little bit. Verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Contrasting that with verse 20. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where their thieves do not break in and steal. So the person that's choosing to live their life in verse 19 is choosing to do what? To live for the world, to live for themselves. They're taking their possessions and they're saying, I know best. I'm going to make all those decisions around my, my money and my treasures. So it's a very self-centered life. It's also a life where that person will not really contribute their money or possessions to growing the kingdom of God. And it's a life where what happens in that lifestyle? Your possessions become your idol. So it's a very destructive lifestyle, not on the surface and not if you're in the world today, because you're living for today and you're making decisions about today. Jesus is teaching on making decisions for eternity. That life, the first lifestyle doesn't play into that at all. And then there's a caution by Jesus. He's saying, if you choose that lifestyle, it will not serve you well. For the possessions that you're accumulating, the things you're working so hard for, they're going to go away. They're going to dissipate. And I'll give you a couple of examples. Stock market, real estate. People put all their money into real estate, a lot of money into real estate, a lot of money into stock market. Many times that vanishes. And I'm going to tell you a personal story. Um, and the interesting part about this is this God laid this on me last night before I was going to bed. So I didn't have it in my notes or anything. And uh, uh, my, my parents, this is about my parents. And uh, my, my father, um, at mid-20s, took a job, worked 20 years for this company in sales, and he became national sales manager for this company. And uh, in, in that company, it's a family-owned company, and the patriarch of the family died. The two brothers fought for the company. And my father was on the losing side. And the brother that took over the company fired everybody that was loyal to the other brother at the executive level. So my father was fired, mid-late mid 40s. And um, he had all his money in real estate. When he was fired, it was in the mid-70s, when the recession was going full, full steam, and so he could not sell any of his real estate. And so what happened is, my father at least had retirement, 
they lived in retirement on their retirement. But here's what else is interesting, little side note. Pride got in the way. My father did not want to take a job that was below the level in which he'd risen. He was determined to find a job at that level. He would not take a lesser job. So they ended up, in result, spent all their retirement, basically gave all the real estate away, and ended up with some debt. And my father ended up taking an entry-level position at a competitor because he'd been working here 20 years. That's the only industry he knew. Now, a couple of things here. And that one is that whether you're a believer or not believer, adversity comes. Things will happen to you in your life. The critical question is, what is your foundation when that happened? So now, go back to my parents. They turned to self-pity, and they turned to alcohol. And that was what, in their life, they, my, that my, my parents never recovered. Last night, I was going, wow. If my father and mother had been believers and had been walking with the Lord and they had been living in verse 20, their outcome would have been different. So it's very important for us to understand this teaching that Jesus is giving to us. We can't put our faith and trust into the things of the world. They will vanish. And also, when you turn to the world, it's ugly. It's mean and nasty, and it does not treat you with the love and the insensitivity that we get from being a child of God. And so, um, when you have an eternal perspective, and you're in verse 19, it's all about self, it's all about darkness, and it's all about the things of the world. So let's go to 20. Nice contrast. (laughs) Verse 20, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Lifestyle here, an individual focused on God, focused on the kingdom of God, participating in the kingdom of God. This is a person that understands their resources are a gift from God and that they're really God's resources, and that we're called to be stewards of those resources. And so we're called to be prudent, we're called to be generous, and we're called to be in fellowship with God, with Christ, so we know what to do with this, with all these, this money and these possessions. It's a totally different lifestyle. And in this lifestyle... You're spending your energy and your money on the kingdom of God. And the outcome are changed lives. The outcome is you're working in concert with God. You're working in concert with fellow believers who are in, under the will of God. And we're making an impact in people's lives. And I go back to Alex's teaching when he talked about we're leading, living a life of discipleship. Those all have eternal value. So Jesus is calling us to that type of lifestyle in verse 20. And um, so it's dramatically different uh, uh, from one to the other. So these are choices. And Jesus drives at home in verse 21. I love Jesus because he always gets to one, and I'm going to, no pun intended, he gets to the heart of the matter. 
For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So we get to the end, and Jesus is saying, how you manage your possessions, how you manage your money, how you manage your treasures is a heart condition. It really gets down to, do you love me? Or do you love your possessions? And then Jesus is asking that hard question here because he's saying, and just think about it for a second, if my treasures are the most valued things, my treasures are the things I esteem, and my treasures are so precious to me, I'm going to spend all my time on that. I'm going to spend my thoughts on that. If you do that, will you have any thoughts and energy left for for God and the kingdom of God? No. So it's where you put your heart, where your, where the treasures are is where your heart is. And where your heart is is where you spend your time, your energy, and you're going to utilize those possessions. So Jesus is making it abundantly clear. Choose to love me with all your heart or choose to love your possessions. That will happen. And then, if that's not abundantly clear, Jesus goes on. Let me go down to verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, and mammon means money and possessions. Now, this one spoke to me, because this is what I try to do at times, not all the time, thank goodness. One foot, I'm trying to serve the kingdom of God. One foot, one foot I want to be loving the possessions and being attract, you know, really getting into the world and the pleasures of all the world. And Jesus is saying, you can't do that. Jesus is saying here, I am Lord. If you want to be under my, in my kingdom, I am Lord, and you should be, I should be your master, or I should be your king, and you should serve me. And so, you know, that kind of sounds, kind of sounds harsh, but it's not. What he's really saying is, you know, look at, your, at, your, at how you live your life. And, G, and I think James addressed this. You're a double-minded person. Think about trying to live in, in the loving all my possessions and then trying to be in, in the, in serving the kingdom of God. It's very confusing. So God will put something on your heart and actually ask you to do it, and you're going to go, well, no, I'm going to go over here because I want to present my possessions. That's why he says you're going to love one and hate the other. That's what will happen when you try to live in both worlds. So, again, God is asking the question, do you love me or do you love the world? And do you love, in the world is by definition your possessions, your money, your treasures, the things that you say are important. I actually heard, read something about this you know, not too long ago, and it just stuck with me. And it said, kind of the test for what we're talking about here is, if you're willing to make sacrifices to accumulate more possessions, but you're not willing to sacrifice for Jesus, don't be deceived. Money is your God. 
just think about that one for a second. What happens is you're going to make choices, and one becomes your God. And so it's a dangerous road, as we already talked about. Love of money is the root of all evil. So when you start loving your money, and the other part of that scripture is sorrows happen. So we're going to paint a picture here um, that actually is going to show us that when we live the life that's being outlined here by Jesus, not only will we um, manage our possessions properly, we truly will be filled with peace and joy. In contrast to what the world tells you, which this is where you get your satisfaction, and it's not true. You can find, I can give great testimony to that, and I will in just about two seconds. Um, So when we, what I thought I wanted to do here is God's calling us to a different lifestyle. And you might pause for a second and say, how do I begin to live in this lifestyle? And so there are just some basic things that we should consider doing. And I'm comfortable because they're implied in everything that Jesus is teaching. The first one would be that we adjust the way we treat money by allocating a portion of it to the kingdom of God. So if you're not tithing or you're not giving, um, you need to do that. And the reasons for that are so you don't begin to have the love for money. You don't begin to want to serve the world. It's amazing when you start giving to the kingdom of God, you yourself will be changed because you're drawn into the kingdom of God. You have a more of a vested interest in it, and you are participating in it, and then you can actually not participate in the blessings, and you can participate in watching the lives that are changed. So I just encourage you, one practical thing to do is consider, consider giving. And here's just a couple of guidelines in giving. One, give off the top. Give God your first. Second, be a cheerful giver. God doesn't want you to reluctantly give. He wants you to see the value of what we're te- was being taught here. The lifestyle that emerges from it is important. So be cheerful about it. Actually, and when you d- decide to give, go to God and ask God, what should I give? Get an agreement with God on what you should give, and then do it. Then I will tell you, I have many testimonies for people that have struggled financially, and I've seen the fact that God will get them through, and blessings do happen. And again, a caution, this is not a prosperity message. This is not, do this, you get blessed. This is your heart's being changed. Remember, we talked about heart. You're becoming desiring to see the kingdom of God grow. You're desiring to participate in it. Therefore, when you do that, you benefit, the kingdom of God benefits, and there's eternal blessings that are happening. So giving would be something to think about practically changing in your life if you're not doing it. Second would be, in this world in which we live, is constantly trying to get us to spend more is constantly trying to get into our pocketbook. 
So I will say, if you're going to make the decision to give, another thing you should consider is coming up with a framework on how you make financial decisions. And most people would say that's a budget. And the reason for that is so that you will not get gradually sucked into by the world to spend more and more on yourself or for things that are not relevant to your life that you could truly do without. And I will say when, another guideline, and you're talking about budgets, is your budget should be built so that you're living at or below your means. Because, and that's a tough one in today's world, because you should be content with what God has given you. And so that brings me to kind of the third practical aspect of this, and that is credit card debt. And the reason I bring this up is that if you're not living at your means or below your means, what happens? You're going into debt. And I can tell you firsthand, it happened like right before I came up here, moved here, I knew several people that were in way over their head with credit card debt. You're talking about a burden. So think about this. We're asked to give God our priority, and yet we're filled with credit card debt. My mind's thinking it, and if you're way out of balance, I mean, I'm thinking about it because it's bothering me. And typically, if you're way out of balance, you're getting phone calls. People want their money. And then you're realizing that the money you're, that you're using on credit card debt is surely not going for the kingdom of God, and especially if you're in a situation where you're paying 10, 15, 20% interest. It's a bad scenario. All I'm saying to you is God doesn't want you to live that way. And what else I'm saying is there's help. There's hope. If today you're convicted over that, don't pull away from God. There's a very important teaching here. When you're convicted over something, draw close to God. Don't pull away. The evil one will say, you're unworthy, and you need, you're a terrible person. God's saying, I love you. I'm here to help you. So draw close to him. I'm just telling you, pray about it. Take action if you're in that situation. And another thing is, I do know that there are people in this church that have some experience in that. So just raise your hand maybe to Derek or Paul and say, I need help. And I think you can get help from people here. There, you can also be guided to a Christian financial counselor to get help. And then there are programs, and I know some people here have gone through these programs, that also help you. There, there are programs designed to help you get out of that situation. So all I'm really telling you is take it serious, and it, God would wants nothing better than to help you with that. And then this last comment, before we go actually back to Jesus' teaching, is you're going to think I'm, I'm double-minded or that I'm crazy because I'm getting ready to tell you, even if you're in debt, tithe, continue to give. It sounds crazy, but God will help you work it out. So no matter what, Start giving to God, to the kingdom of God. You will be blessed. And um, so I'm going to read something for you because we've talked about giving and we've talked about tithing 
and we're going to go over, and I'm going to let this verse speak for itself. This is Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. God says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now on this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for such blessings, that there will be no room enough to receive it. God's saying, test me on this. So I'm encouraging you to take the test. Give and see what happens. And I'll let that ver- those verses, again, Malachi chapter 10, chapter 3, verse 10, sorry. Uh, I'm going to let them stand on themselves. I encourage you to read it and pray through it. But it, should be a, it could be a guide for you on encouraging you to give. Now, as we go back to the study, chapter 6, I'm gonna, we're going to go into verse 25. And, but I want to make a comment here uh, because it, it, 25 relates to 24. So I want to ask you a question. Given the lifestyle we're talking about, does it worry any of you trying to live that type of lifestyle? Does it cause you any concern to live that? And I'll tell you for me, if we stopped with verse 24, I would be worried. However, thankful to Jesus, he continues to teach and make things abundantly clear for us to get the full picture of what the new lifestyle we're being called to, to do about managing money really involves. So let's go to verse 25. And my first word is therefore. The therefore goes, it takes us back to verse 24. And I don't know what anybody, if somebody else has a different word, but uh, what it is is a connection. Jesus is starting out by saying, therefore, meaning if God is your master, if I am your Lord, then, and let's read these together. Verse 25, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, nor about your body and what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And then we're going to go down to verse um, 31, and we'll finish with 33. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. And I'm going to stop with 32, and then we'll go to 33. Jesus is basically saying, if you live the lifestyle we're talking about, you know what, doesn't work without me reading 33. Sorry. But seek first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So, one more time, Jesus is saying, if you put me first, if you put your love in the right spot, if you live a lifestyle dedicated to growing the kingdom of God and participating in that, 
then he's saying, I, God, take responsibility for your needs. And then Jesus says, do you believe this? Because what is worry? Worry is a sign of unbelief. And then I think he goes into the Gentile part because that means unbelievers. And if you're going to live like an unbeliever, which means you are not relying on me, you're relying on yourself, then you don't get access to the blessing that I just talked about. And that blessing is, I will take care of you. God is saying, I love you, I will take care of you, and I have all the resources in heaven to come to help you, whatever that looks like. It may be peace, joy, it may be truly financial help, I'm not sure, but it will be help. But he will provide for all your needs. So the question for all of us is, do we believe that? If you truly believe that, that will help you live the lifestyle that Jesus is talking about of giving, of focusing on him, of giving your heart fully to him, and not being obsessed with accumulating possessions slash treasures slash money. Now, I'm not, and God is not saying that those th- treasures are bad. Don't forget that. He's saying don't let them rule over your life. And the only way for that not to happen is put me first, give your heart fully to me, love me with all your heart. And then, therefore, you'll be blessed. So with that, I'm going to close. But I'd like to ask you, just remind you of a couple of things and remind you of a couple of things. So as you leave here, reflect on the perspectives that Jesus shared with us. That where is our heart? Who is the Lord of our life? Also embedded in there, remember that our possessions are not our own. We've been entrusted with them. We're to be good stewards. And that in doing so, we should be giving and we should be living a life to the fullest. So I want to close with just one more comment or one more scripture. I'm just going to paraphrase it. In John 10.10, I just think it's important so we have the full perspective. Jesus says, I give you life, and I give it to you abundantly. I do not want you walking away from here, if I've created this impression at all, thinking walking The way that Jesus is describing is a mundane life. It is quite the opposite. It is vibrant. It is engaged with God. It is participating in the kingdom of God with fellow believers. It is doing the will of God and working in it. And I can tell you, it's vibrant. It's exciting. And God is okay with us having excesses. There are other scriptures that say, Enjoy the blessings, the resources, the money that I give you. So just keep all that in mind as we're praying through this. So let me close with prayer. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord, that you teach us in so many ways that you continue to change our perspectives to be more like you. For, Lord, we want to be more Christ-like in the way we live. And we want to have right perspectives, especially on money. 
So we pray, Lord, against money ruling in our life. We pray, Father, that we will learn to let go. I pray, Father, that we will have trust and faith in you. And that, Lord, in doing so, Father, we will experience the abundant life that you intend for us. And if nothing else, if that is filled with peace and joy, we're excited. And we thank you, Father, for this congregation, for this church. And we thank you, Lord, that we can open up our Bible and we can learn your truths together. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.